The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason, and we are back beginning the new year, but we're actually recording this before the new year, but happy (laughs) new year to our listeners. You weren't supposed to say that, Roger. I I was going to ask you what you did for New Year's Eve, but... (laughs) Oh man, that would be tough. I can be prophetic if you'd like. But then you'll stone me if it doesn't come true. So that's true. I just want to be biblical and hold to the text, right? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was thinking of a question, though. I know some of our listeners like learning a little bit more about us, and so I don't know why this question popped in my head, but oh boy. maybe because I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. So I was thinking, now that you finished education, you got your PhD. If you were ever to write a book. What topic would you want to write on? Oh, man. Other than your dissertation that you finished. Okay. Well, it's fascinating that you asked that question because I have thought about that Mm -hmm. a lot. And there is a a book idea in my mind that has to do with, um, it kind of comes out of a similar thing that I've studied for my dissertation, but really has to do with uh, this idea of, uh, tension, the tension that mm. we see in scripture and living in the tension, um, theological, uh, doctrinal tension that mm. I think we do find sometimes in scripture where there's mystery. And when we try to solve what is not solvable in scripture, mm-hmm. we end up erring. So we go either mm. too far to one side or the other. And is there a way to parse that biblically and, and find ways to think carefully and reasonably? So since you brought it I up, like you, it. I, I, we didn't, we did not practice this. No. That was just something you, you asked out of the blue. You got me excited. <laughs> Should we talk about that today? No, yeah, let's yeah, not, let's I, not. I just want to sign copy after it's published. So, oh, so when I'm 73 <laughs> and I actually put it all together, then yeah, I'll give you a signed copy. <laughs> Well, we are what about you. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I was trying wait, to get wait. away from the no. question. <laughs> Since you're all done too, I'm sure you've got some book ideas. Well, I want to go back for more, but I'm um, glutton for punishment. Um, I don't know. I think it would be somewhere in or something to do with uh, continuing on sanctification and understanding the sin that remains. Mm. But as I've been thinking lately, I'm thinking of that and how it connects to our theological framework that we're holding to, Mm. whether it's dispensationalism, covenant theology, just how that impacts our understanding of the remaining sin, um, the connection scripture might make with the framework we hold to, how our hermeneutics we're holding to, and how do we deal with that sin that still remains until were in glory so two things one um what remaining sin i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> maybe you have remain no okay that's not true uh the, the but the real one is we got to stop giving away our book ideas in I, case someone other than uh, my wife and mom are listening and um you know steal our ideas that's that's very true <laughs> well we'll so, stop talking about it then <laughs> okay Well, we're back again for another episode on the confession. We've been going through the confession, and we are in chapter 
2 on God and the Holy Trinity. Uh, We did a couple episodes on the Trinity, and so this is the third part. We're going to finish off the last section, and as we uh, get to this big topic, we know that we can't cover every angle, all the historical perspectives, and even present understandings and discussions that are going on uh, theologically with the Trinity, but we want to summarize what the confession brings out, talk about um, how the confession uh, teaches us about the Trinity so that we can have an understanding of the Trinity, and then maybe in future episodes we can return to this and talk about some of the present things that are coming uh, or that we're hearing even today as we continue Um, to think about uh, the Trinity. I I thought as an initial question before we even read through what the confession says is addressing the fact that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. So how do we address that? How do you think through that? Yeah, we basically dismiss it and we don't hold to the (laughs) Trinity any longer because it's not used. Oh, great. That was a quick episode. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, look, we, we realize that the word itself, Trinity, uh, coming from tri unity. So three and one, uh, doesn't actually, it, it's not in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that the concept is not clearly articulated and found mm-hmm. in the scriptures. So, um, throughout the history of the church, uh, obviously we believe the apostles were teaching this. And then from very early on, it was very much a part of who we were and are as Christians. Um, and you find it throughout the scriptures assumed. And that's what, um, when it was challenged, you know, when that idea of Trinity was challenged is when the church responded with clarifying language. Okay. But the fact that they responded with such clarifying language tells us that it was already something held and held to tightly um, and so we see it in, in old Testament in shadows. And mm-hmm. then, uh, we see the Trinity much more clearly kind of articulated in, in the new Testament, but we don't need the word to be used for the concept to be used. Now I was just thinking how important it is as we think about understanding it correctly mm-hmm. and the different cults that have come about that have a different understanding of Christ. Yeah. And how important it is. We see that in, in different cults like Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism yeah. on how they teach about Christ. And so it's important we understand it from all the scriptures, not just one text we're pulling right. out saying, here it is. It explains everything about uh, the Godhead. And interestingly, I mean, most most of the time, false teaching that's arisen, most of the cults and those things that have arisen, they attack this very point, mm-hmm. the Trinity or the the dual natures or the deity of Christ. It's always on this point. So it really is important that we we get this right. So let's see how the confession talks about it. So go ahead and uh, lead us by beginning to read the section. So this is uh, London Baptist Confession of 1689, Article 2 or Chapter 2. We still don't know exactly which one is better, but Paragraph 3 that we can agree on. So 2-3. This divine and infinite being consists of three real persons, the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three have the same substance, power, and eternity, each having the whole divine essence 
without this essence being divided. The Father is not derived from anyone, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. All three are infinite and without beginning and are therefore only one God who is not to be divided in nature and being. Yet these three are distinguished by several distinctive characteristics and personal relations. This truth of the Trinity is the foundation of all our fellowship with God and of our comforting dependence on him. Hmm. Wow. So you're going to explain all of this to us and bring clarity to our minds, but you know. right. wow, time has passed. We've got to wrap this one up, don't we? But uh, they begin by talking about the divine being with the phrase of personhood or three persons, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember first learning that of three different persons, and, and at first it can sound like those are divided. Right. Um, and that there's a division there, but they bring back that they're all of the same substance, or I believe the other word that's uh, very familiar is essence. Right. So, so bringing that out, how does that, how does that help us understand the unity within the Godhead without dividing into three separate um, yeah. persons? So the tough thing for us is that when we think of this idea of person mm-hmm. uh, as humans, it is a dis- it is a different person, right? Yeah, it, we are a different human being. That w- you know, we share the same nature, but our essence is different in the mm-hmm. sense that we are a distinct being. Whereas with God, there is only one being, mm-hmm. one essence, one substance, one divine being, and He exists in. Three, you know, the language is modes of subsistence or persons. Um, and when it comes to God, he can't, his, the being cannot be divided. Mm-hmm. He simply subsists, we say, yeah. in these persons, these three persons. So what does that mean? He can't be divided. Well, the divi- God is not the kind of thing that can be divided. We talked about, I think, a couple of times ago, the simplicity of God. Yeah. So he can't be divided. Um, he's not the kind of thing that that has um, multiple. What do we say? There, there's not multiple. Um, uh, uh, oh, what's the what's the word? I can't even think about. It. You know, this this is the category of God. There's only one thing in that category, one God. So that's what I think confuses us, right? Yeah. We think of persons. You're a person. I'm a person. We're we're totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to God, what does this word person really mean? And that's that's the the challenge. That's the challenge that the mm-hmm. church has experienced for 2,000 years. And they bring out two other aspects where they, after talking about the essence or substance, it's the they have the same power mm-hmm. and eternity, each having the whole divine essence without this essence being divided. It's interesting they're bringing the, those two other aspects out. Mm-hmm of both power and eternity. If we thought about eternity, why is that important to know that they're all eternal? Yeah. Otherwise one or two would be created beings, yeah. right? If they have a beginning, 
you know, they're, they're not God they're mm-hmm. they're or they're not. Yeah. They're not God. They're created. And so that was the big thing with Arius back yeah. in the day. The, the Jesus was, has a beginning or the yeah. Logos has a beginning. He thought, um, yeah. which is, you know, where Jehovah witnesses really go back to. If you see their theology of, or their understanding of Christ, mm-hmm. it's Arianism wrapped up brand new today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they argue from, or they have to change the translation of like John one, um, and talking about the son that that's not, you know, that's not Christ. And, and he was a created being. Right. And we know from Philippians that he wasn't created. He emptied himself yeah. and, and came into a uh, human form. And Paul explains what it means that he emptied himself. He took on that human form, right? Yes. Um, what, what's interesting, um, here is, uh, it says, uh, substance, you said power and eternity. Mm-hmm. Think about that idea of power that he is one in power. It's not that the father is stronger or mightier than the son and this, you know, each person has all of the essential attributes of God yeah. because he is God. Um, they're, they're the same in substance, power and eternity. That's hard for us to fathom mm-hmm. because we don't see persons that way. Clearly, yeah. I'm much stronger than you, right? Oh, wait, I'm just or, a little or, taller. Or, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, we, we can't understand how that can work. Yeah. But and that's, again, kind of going back to some of the basics here. How did we even get to this understanding? Or why do we hold to a trinity? Why do we hold to the doctrine of the trinity? Well, here's what we see in scripture. There's one God. Mm-hmm. Then we see Father, Son, and Spirit each called God mm-hmm. individually. And then we see another category of scripture where they're distinguished. Yeah. Right. So when you think of passages that just top of mind where we see that, what are the common passages you go to that you direct people to when you think of that? Um, which one? So the one God, I mean, the one God and then the three different um, as we're talking about, you're seeing the distinctions between the Godhead and scripture. Yeah. So, so the one God, I think is kind of the easiest one. Anywhere you look in, in the scriptures, it's only one God. Mm-hmm. So even Deuteronomy, I think it's six, four, the Shema yeah. hero, Israel, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of the three that are distinguished, we yeah. see that for instance, in the baptism of Christ, Exactly. Yep. um, we see it in the way Paul even gives a blessing at the end of, I think it's second Corinthians, you know, the uh, grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the father and the fellowship of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you, these are, you know, w- we have it with the Holy spirit um, being uh, well being sp- spoken of in, in, in acts oh, in terms of each one being identified as God too. That's the, the one that was on my mind in acts. The spirit is, uh, referred to as God because Ananias and Sapphira were lying to him, mm-hmm. to God. Um, and of course, Jesus identifies himself as God. Um, yeah. I am the father one, but yeah. Were there That's others good. that were on your mind? No, you, you, you covered the uh, common ones I was thinking of. Um, so it continues that the father is not derived from anyone, neither begotten nor proceeding. The son is eternally begotten of the father and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So no beginning. There was no beginning to God. Mm-hmm. Neither were the other persons begotten from 
the you know it's not saying that they were created well it's this is referring to the father right there yeah the father is not begotten nor proceeding right he's yeah so here is the distinction between the three persons this is this is the only distinction in a sense yeah. right ontological distinction is what we say and they, they go on to say it these this these relations the father is unbegotten not derived from him he's not begotten he's not proceeding the son is eternally begotten now what does that mean and without eternally then we get confusion yeah right because what what is what does uh, begottenness even mean? Yeah, it sounds like beginning. It had a beginning, and it had it had some type of coming into. Yeah, because but it's what, eternal. What does it mean to beget? Yeah. Right? You, you bear the child. The yeah. child is born, right? <laughs> yeah, They're exactly. begotten. I'm begotten of my parents, and so we're like, oh, well, there's a beginning there. Well, yeah. that's why the church fathers said no, eternally begotten, because here's yeah. what they're saying. A father and a son, what's their relationship? Well, the son comes from the essence of the father, and in God's case, eternally. Yeah. So he is always and forever etern- you know, begotten from the father. He is of the same substance, essence, and comes from. That's how we ha- they're one, and they're distinct because the father is not begotten. The son is begotten. And then you go, okay, well, what about the spirit? And I, I love yeah. the way they say it about the spirit. He is what? <laughs> he proceeds yeah. from the father and the son. Isn't there a distinction? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Isn't the Eastern church say that the spirit only proceeds from the father? Is that how? Exactly. That's right. Okay. So the Eastern church and the Western church had this big split, this schism, yeah. which is really kind of sad. But it the split is over whether the spirit actually proceeds or spirates that's another yeah. word that's used obviously just taking the word spirit and making a verb spirates from um the father the eastern church says only the father and the western church said the father and the son but again it's an eternal spiration an eternal proceeding which connects the essence of course there's only one divine yeah. essence but distinguishes them the father it doesn't spirate or proceed now, if you ask us to define that any further, yeah, can you? <laughs> no, that's what you're here for. <laughs> well, <laughs> nope. I, 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 now, yeah. there's obviously, you know, there's mystery here. Yeah. And the, the if we start trying to say more than this, yeah. here's what we see in Scripture. The Son is the Son, and He's actually the Son from before he incarnated, right? Yeah. Some had this heresy in the past that they thought that, no, he becomes the son yeah. when he's taking on a human flesh. No, he's eternally the son. Mm-hmm. Um, and the spirit is eternally the spirit. But beyond saying that they are distinct persons that have these relations to one another, ontologically, we can't, they are, the, they are one, they, they are one, yeah. one essence. And that's why they say they're not to be divided in nature and being. Right. And kind of going back to some of the stuff we talked about in the past. Um, and again, I, I want to make sure we're being clear. The reason I'm umming and hemming and hawing, guys, <laughs> is because I just want to make sure we get this right. It's it's yeah. really tough. This is why I want to bring in some some experts mm-hmm. on this. But um, the, the reason the simplicity of God 
that we talked about previously, mm-hmm. that God is not made up of component parts, yeah. right? God is not just this combination of all these different attributes, right? He is his essence and he is, we, we are the ones that are kind of seeing the attributes differently. Yeah. He is God and we just are kind of recognizing different things about him um, because he, if he's made up of parts, right, then yeah. he's not eternal. Then something comes before him that comes together to be him. Same thing is true with the three persons, right? He's, he's not made up of part. There's one divine yeah. essence that happens to subsist in these three persons, which are grounded in their relations. And then you get, can get into the error of seeing God in the old Testament different than God in the new Testament because of the way some, uh, some texts are emphasizing a particular characteristic for that, particular situation and you can you can divide the godhead and think differently about god and then he just become it just becomes confusing you have a god that's you know here he's like this and over here he's like that and yeah yeah i mean and you get some of that i think you and i off here we're talking about the modalism mm-hmm. where you, some people have this sense that oh he's sometimes the father maybe yeah. the old testament he was the father and then he becomes the son or, or manifests as the son and then he manifests as the spirit no, that that's not right. That's not uh, that's not the biblical account. So they do make uh, some distinctions. So they say that the um, the three are distinguished by several distinctive characteristics mm-hmm. and personal relations. Yeah, I think the relations one. This is uh, I actually was struggling with this part of the confession because <laughs> I want to make I don't know exactly what they were referring to in terms of the relations, those eternal relations, that's what distinguishes them ontologically. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that perhaps when they say distinctive characteristics, either they're just saying it's redundant. They mean the personal relations or they're now addressing as well, what we would call the economic Trinity, which is the functioning. So not, not how he exists, but how he works and functions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you think that's maybe what's going on there? Yeah, and I agree because it's hard to look at that, and and there aren't. It's not as if okay, God the Father is judge, and Jesus is is love. I mean, right. we're not making distinctions exactly. between the characteristics. Now, yeah, yeah. The work we see is different. We see the distinctions between the work of each part. Uh, you know, not each part, but of the Trinity. Each person. Of the each Trinity. person in the Trinity. There is a different work in salvation so it's interesting so you've got this broader category and again i don't know theologically what the the way uh, these terms would play out but you've got this broader category these two like you've got creation and redemption Mm -hmm. and you can say god creates and god redeems yeah you can say the father creates the father redeems you can say the spirit uh, creates the spirit redeems you can say the son you know you can say the same is true about these works salvation and uh, you know creation and salvation but as you're pointing out, there is kind of a distinctive role that each plays in creation or in salvation. And what are what are those roles? You and I were chatting about them. Yeah, we think of God the Father and the plan of redemption. 
and we think of the Son, Jesus coming, living the perfect life, dying on the cross. It was Christ in human form who actually did that work, being raised from the dead, Mm -hmm. the Spirit who opens up the heart so that we might believe and seals us for the day of redemption. You know, he convicts the world of sin, um, a judgment and righteousness. So we see the, the, the differences there. We see Jesus coming back. Jesus is going to return. So we see that, but we're not separating that from the entire uh, Godhead. Yeah. It's not as if one is now separated as if the others are just sitting back. It's it's one work. That's but right. But we see the different roles that are played out in Scripture and how Scripture talks about their roles. And there is. It, Jesus dying on the cross is not the Spirit dying on the cross. It's right, or the Je- Father. Yeah. Or the Father. That's right. Um, and, and so, we, like you said, we say the Father plans— the son accomplishes, mm-hmm. the spirit applies. That's some of the language that's been used in the yeah. past to, to help us understand. And that, that makes a lot of sense if you see the way the scriptures kind of play out. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's Christ that was went to the cross for us, but it's the spirit who's the one who regenerates and opens our hearts and uh, you know, applies that salvation to us. Yeah, I think the last sentence here is unique where they talk about the truth of the Trinity is the foundation of all of our fellowship with God and of our comforting dependence on him. Hmm. So the foundation of our fellowship, we'd have no fellowship with God, but then the continuing continuous comforting dependence on him. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm reading this great book I was telling you about, <laughs> and I, I will commend it to, to our listeners. It's called Simply Trinity, The Unmanipulated Father, Son, and Spirit hmm. by Matthew Barrett. Um, I also read another great one on the Trinity that uh, was called The Trinity, An Introduction by Scott Swain. And both of these do such a great job of kind of as simply as is possible, mm-hmm. not like me hemming and hawing and, you know, not knowing what I'm talking about, but in a real clear way, uh, articulating kind of the, the reason knowing the Trinity and understanding the three in one yeah. is, uh, essential for the doctrine of salvation, uh, yeah. and for our, our comfort as believers. And they do a great job of, of helping us, uh, see that. But without the Trinity, you can't have the son who comes and lives and dies and rises again, can you? You can have a concept of God as we see in other religions. You have this concept, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes the, the way you relate to that God is based on you. It's based on your work, based on your goodness, your righteousness. Mm -hmm. Without the Trinity, you don't have that, that way, that 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 way of salvation, but that way of peace with God, because you're trying to do it on your own. Right. There's no mediator, redeemer sent uh, that that is capable, able. And there's no comforter. If we think of the Spirit, we don't often talk about no, the Spirit. Point. Yeah. But the Spirit who intercedes for us, the Spirit who convicts us, the Spirit who is with us always. Jesus said that when I leave, I think it's John 14, John 15. Mm-hmm. When the, when I leave. The Spirit will be sent to live and indwell with you. That right. the Spirit indwelling believers is the seal of, of our faith. That that understanding and, and emphasizing the Spirit's work in our lives. We we often don't 
don't emphasize that as much. We taught, we highlight the work of Christ, yeah. but we should also highlight the work of the spirit who's in us working, um, through us. Yeah. And, and to that point, uh, we, we often, well, sometimes we hear it sound like the father is like the bad guy, yeah. you know, yeah. the judgmental one yeah. and, and Jesus is the one saving us. No, the father planned yeah. this gracious salvation and the son and the spirit in agreement together yeah. have planned our, have, have worked out our salvation. Ephesians one before yep. the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption mm-hmm. was made. Amen. So this is a great topic, uh, you know, as we've gone through the Trinity and and just talking about how the confession is bringing it out. You know, we recommend our listeners continue to learn. You know, we'll we'll put uh, the books in the notes that you can see the references to. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a book on the Trinity that's small and easy to read. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> just an observation. Like Scott Scott <laughs> Scott Swain's book. The Trinity and Introduction is part of a series that is intentionally trying to keep theology okay, kind of simplified and, and kind of these short studies. Really do commend that book. Excellent study. But again, to, as we're wrapping up, Roger, I just want for our listeners to make sure that we kind of have a, a clear, as clear as we can get, uh, wrap up on the Trinity here. We want to emphasize that there is one God when we say there are three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, that does not mean three gods. Mm-hmm. There is one divine being who subsists in three persons. Three, and the c- confession says real persons. Mm-hmm. The, the, they are equal in power, in eternity, in substance, in will. There's one divine will. We'll get into this another time. There is not, uh, you know, three uh, centers of consciousness or something like that. And how we, you know, understand all this, some of it, there is great mystery and we've just got to be careful to do this. The scriptures give us the boundaries. Here's what we know and anything that doesn't fit that we've got to say, okay, that's not true. This is what Arius ran into, right? His problem was, well, he wanted to make it more logical to himself. And so I mean, he must have been created. Yeah. No, here are the boundaries. So, well, that's a good, that's a good word. And, and we'll end on that. If you have any more questions and need any more clarity, Jason definitely can answer <laughs> can all of your questions. Some books. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a very good summary uh, to end us. So we'll hope we hope you join us next time. We're going to continue on in the confession uh, and look at God's decree next time. We hope you will join us. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the hosts with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.